2: We're happy to say that Veridesk is a proud sponsor of the Fit Bottomed Girls podcast and our go-to choice for an active workspace. Veridesk quickly and easily transforms your desk into a standing desk, and you can try it all risk-free for 30 days with free shipping both ways. Find out more at veridesk.com. That's V-A-R-I desk.com.
1: Welcome back to the Fit Bottomed Girls podcast. This is FBG Margo, and on the line today we have Jen. Hey, guys. And we have Kristen. Hola. And you guys, we got a five-star review on iTunes. Hey. It's like my favorite thing. So please, you guys, if you love the show, please be sure to subscribe. But if you get your podcast in Apple Podcasts and you have a subscription, please leave a review because we love getting reviews and iTunes seems to really love it and it gives us a little more standing and stuff like that. So I'm going to read you guys this five-star review we got from STO, Stow Happy from Australia. Mm. I just want to say thank you for your show. You helped me to create balance in my life. Or sometimes the balance is already there and I just need to take a moment to acknowledge that. I listen to your show when I'm out walking. Life can be so busy or tiring that it can be an effort to take a simple 30-minute walk. Your show is that extra incentive to make time in my day to walk out that door. Leave my cares behind and just walk. Life can be so busy with your own cares and worries and then other people's cares and worries that can find your world shrinking and being reduced to a very small place. I listen to your show to help expand my world, challenge my thoughts, introduce new ideas and concepts. I really love the pre-show, by the way. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow, I know I was getting conv- 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 whatever whatever. I was reading that. But yeah, thank you guys so That's much. Incredible! Yeah, we really love doing this. And thanks, uh, thanks so yeah. much. Yeah, from all the way from Australia.
0: Yeah, I'm like, thanks for just. Putting us in your ear holes. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> and being open to just, hey, because I, I feel like, um, you know, we started the podcast where we had a lot of specific nutrition and fitness information, and we have really expanded out into all kinds of, including like today's guest, we've expanded out to all different kinds of areas. So it, it's cool that that's resonating and making a difference, and yay for walking.
1: Yeah, yay for you. Yeah, so happy so yeah we want well this goes back to we had daniel laporte on for an incredible two-part episodes just a few weeks ago and you guys sent me on to it was a facebook live video and it was terry cole talking with daniel laporte and all about boundaries and you know jen when you were like we need to do this interview i'm like "Uh uh-huh i need to talk to this woman (laughs) (laughs) i need to have her in my life somehow she's like incredible so jen do you want to talk a little bit about terry today Yeah.
0: Yeah. So when I came across, I I mean, I've been a huge Daniel Laporte fan for a long time. I think we've all, we all know that, but, and I'd seen some, some Terry Cole stuff kind of around and read some of her posts and seen some of her videos, but that conversation that she had with Daniel Laporte, they talked about setting boundaries and in it, she just like changed my perspective and brought an awareness to all kinds of different relationships, relationships with other people, relationships with myself. And she just had this really great ability to give you an actionable step on something in your life, like setting a boundary. Like I think there's so much talk about setting boundaries. What does that mean? What does that look like? And you can be like, yeah, I want to set a boundary. But having the verbiage to do that just helped so much. And that's what she gave in that talk with Daniel Port, And that's what she actually gives here today that I thought was super amazing. And I think her past work has, has been everything from loving yourself to romantic relationships to just self-improvement. And I just, I, I I could just talk to her forever about like just getting through a whole bunch of like mental, like bullshit, you know, that you might have, that's not helping you.
1: Well, that was what I was hearing in the note, too, that that the Stow Happy sent to us. Like, we all have so many people that we're trying to keep happy in our lives, and we're going into a very busy season with the holidays and all the parties and all the family stuff that we're going to have to to deal with, and it can be very hard to set boundaries. And then I wanted to talk to you guys about also about saying no, and that's kind of about protecting your boundaries. So I wanted to, Kristen, do you want to talk a little bit about that, about, you know, learning to say no or how to say no? Sure. Um,
2: Yeah. So I'm a really big fan of saying no, even though I I still think it's really hard. But I think, gosh, I wrote a post about that. What, three years ago? Yeah, that that was kind of my, my big, my big step that I was taking was I was like, I am gonna say no to things because I spent a lot of years being open to um, all kinds of possibilities and saying yes to everything. Um, I mean, not everything. But
1: But um Sorry. sorry. I'm
2: sure laughter isn't (laughs) dirtier. (laughs) It just took a dark turn. (laughs) Um But you know, like you know, in terms of you know, I'm a freelancer in addition to um you know to to being part of FBG so it was like if somebody had an assignment I was like oh yeah sure I can write about that I don't know anything about it but I'll learn about it you know oh, oh you've got a job for me cool yes I'll take that uh, people wanted to go and do things and it didn't sound like a whole lot of fun but I didn't want to let them down so I'd say yes and they'd ask you know people would ask me for a favor which is you know what friends do I also ask people for favors but I would say yes before even like considering what that meant for me to say yes mm-hmm. so once I sort of and I, gosh, I should look back at that post and see what it was that inspired me to actually start saying no. But it was, it was just this like extremely liberating thing to realize that I can say no to things and it doesn't shut this huge, it, it shuts like a little, almost like a little cubby of like, okay, no, I don't want that. No, thank you. But it doesn't shut the big garage door to stop everything good and every possibility from coming my way. It just stops that one thing. Um, So, and I feel like it's such a good way of um, showing myself some love and, and really embracing self-respect to think through what I, how I'm going to answer something. And when I say that, like, I love saying no, it doesn't mean that my automatic answer is no to everything. Um, I still really love taking opportunities. I am, I'm a big fan of, you know, I might not be the most spontaneous person you'll ever meet, but I do like to push myself outside of my comfort zone. However, I I really think that through before I say yes or no, or, hey, I'll get back with you. And I make sure that when I say yes to something, it's because it really does feel right and aligned. And, you know, if it is something that is extremely meaningful for someone else and really difficult for me, sometimes that's still going to be a yes, because I, I do care about the people in my lives. The people in my life, but i I do consider the cost of what saying yes will be, and I make sure that i'm um, that I'm communicative with those people about it. So if I'm saying yes and I know that it's going to be very difficult for me and I need them to know that I can help them in this instance, but I cannot do so going forward, that's addressed. So, anyway, Jen, you I, want to go next? Or are you gonna say no? Yeah. No. no. Well
0: <laughs> no. No, I'm gonna say no, no No, 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 um, no. no. I I had two thoughts that came up when you were talking. So the first one was I think what has been really important for me in a in both my business and my personal life is not only is it, you know, being more comfortable saying no. And I think once you do it a couple times, you gain momentum and you're like, oh, it's okay. The world doesn't collapse when I say no, you know, kind of mm-hmm. like you were saying, Kristen. So you kind of get your, you kind of get some You're like, okay, it's okay for me to say no. So it's, you're more likely to do it once you do it a little bit. But you also have the option to say no without an excuse. Yep. You know, like, so there's no reason to lie. There's no reason to say, I can't go to that party because, you know, and like makeup, I have something else. Like, if you don't, you can just be like, oh, no, I'm not going to be there. You know, have a great event. You don't you don't have to make an don't make an excuse like just say no and kind of own it. And that feels a whole lot better to me than, you know. Trying to uh, please the patriarchy, as Daniel Laporte would say, than trying to, like, good girl it. So I think that's really important. And then the other thing that I was just thinking about is, you know, when we when you do say no and you say yes more, your yes means more. Yep. You know, like you, then when you do agree to do something, you can bring your, you know, your whole heart and your, all of your energy to that, you know, that event. And and that's a whole lot better than like half-assing a whole bunch of things. And personally, Kristen and I, um, we say no, like all the time for FBG stuff, whether it's just like not the right opportunity, it's not the right fit. The advertiser is one that we're kind of like,
2: eh, not
0: really. I mean, we say no all the time. It's great. (laughs)
2: <laughs> and what's really cool is that, I mean, in a large percentage of the instances where if it's something where we've sort of hemmed and hawed over like, ooh, you know, it would be a really good monetary opportunity, but it's just not feeling quite right. And and we, you know, suck it up and say no, even though we know that it's like missing, it's us missing out on, on an immediate paycheck. Almost every time we've done that, something fantastic has just like shown up yep. shortly thereafter. And it's been a better fit. And it's been better for our business, and it's certainly been better for us, like as people. Um, And that sure makes it a lot easier to say no when you when you do have um, some belief that it it's not closing a door; it's just changing doors.
0: I guess. Yeah, Yeah, and it's such a reinforcement of everything. You know, when you're like, man, like we'll send, we'll be like, man, I'm sure glad that we said no to that other thing because look at this awesome thing that just came in. That now we do have the space and energy for that we wouldn't have otherwise.
2: So. And it doesn't mean that these other things are bad, like for the right. record, like we say no to a lot of things that are wonderful products, wonderful businesses. It's just not a perfect fit for, you know, whatever it is that we're doing at that specific time. Just in case like anybody's listening <laughs> and you're thinking like, oh, but so you true. guys said no to me. Am I a terrible thing? No, like there are products that we actually, you know, really do like and but it, whatever the company's looking to do is not always a great fit with what it is that we offer um, or what we have space for. So just just putting that out there.
0: But um, also, if you are uh, like a quick fix weight loss drug, no,
2: don't eat yeah, it. That's just hard. No, it is no. you. It's not us.
1: <laughs> what about well, you, Margo? Now that we are on our soapbox. <laughs> yes,
2: Margo, do tell.
1: So you guys, when we had Daniel Laporte on the show, we talked about the concept of L-I-B-E, LIEB, let it be easy. And I sent you guys a text because I wanted to change my schedule on the weekend so I can get more rest. You know, I was teaching really early mornings and I went to my one gym on Saturday and they had no problem at all changing the time, which was great. It was my Sunday morning one. They were giving me pushback on it and I was mm-hmm. starting to get like, oh, are they going to drop me if they drop that class or whatever? And finally, I was, just, I was like, I'm just going to let it be easy. And if they want something at a time that I'm no longer able to fit into my life I want an extra hour hour and a half in the morning I'm just gonna say no to it and it just was so easy I just said no to it and they were just like okay fine then just do what you want to do and so now on Sunday mornings I get an extra hour and a half mm-hmm. and at, let me tell you guys a few months of that now it's fantastic and it was just yeah. and I've been teaching that at very early class eight thirty in the morning for four years straight And it was just starting to get to me. And my mind and my body were like, Margo, you need a little more rest. You need a little more kickback time. And it's just made all the difference. And it just was that. It was just like, let it be easy. I'm just not going to debate it. I'm just going to say, this is what I want. And if that works for you guys, great. If not, we'll part as friends. So thank you both. Awesome, Margo. That was fantastic. I love live, it. live, 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 live. Live, live. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> live, live, live. <laughs> so, on that note, let's just go into our interview with Terry today. Guys, you're going to love her. And if you've got boundary issues, and I think if you're a woman, you probably do, you are going to get a lot of inspiration from her today.
2: Did you know that being more active at work, like standing more and sitting less, can help improve your health, reduce back pain? boost energy, and increase both your metabolism and your productivity? True story. And our favorite way to get those benefits is with Veridesk. See for yourself at veridesk.com. That's V-A-R-I desk.com.
1: Terry Cole is a New York-based licensed psychotherapist, relationship expert, and founder of The Real Love Revolution and Boundary Boot Camp. For two decades, Terry has worked with some of the world's most renowned people from international pop stars to athletes to TV personalities to thought leaders and Fortune 500 CEOs. She empowers over 100,000 women weekly through her platform and online community. Terry's strategies combine practical psychology plus harnessing the power of intention to create positive, sustainable change, i.e. true transformation. She has been featured as an expert therapist and master life coach on A and E's Monster In Laws, TEDx, The Lisa Oz Show, Real Housewives, and many more. She's here today to talk about how to maintain healthy boundaries. Welcome to the show, Terry Cole. So, welcome to the show, Terry. Why? Thank you for having me. Well, this is Fbg Margot, and on the line today we have Fbg Jen. Hey. <laughs> And Terry, I'm so lucky because I get to ask you the first question. And Jen and I are really big fans of yours. And we just loved your Facebook Live chat with the totally amazing Daniel Laporte. Mm. I've watched it three times. I loved it so much. And um, in there, you're talking about in this particular chat, and we'll put this chat in the show notes, by the way, but you were talking about how successful women can have boundary issues, excuse me, and how even there are those of us who feel like we're highly productive, still kind of feel stressed out and losing our sense of self. So why do you think that that's happening? What do you think it is with, with busy women? Like we are feeling so stressed out and feeling like we're losing ourselves.
3: Well, part of it is that it's the way that we're raised and socialized that if you are a high functioning, sort of a good girl, quote unquote, even that can even look super fierce, you know, like successful, smart. You want everyone to be happy. You know, you're looking to be, um, in some ways approved of by the people in your life. And the more productive we became as business owners and business people, it isn't like the other things went away. So now you have to be like the kick-ass business person, solopreneur, entrepreneur, mompreneur, whatever it is, and the mother and the good daughter to aging parents and beyond the PTO. And there's, there's all of these expectations where, as women, part of what mothers especially are... Um, valued for is their selflessness you know what I mean
1: Mm -hmm.
3: and so what happens when you're continuing to do that it's really difficult to draw boundaries and say oh hey no that doesn't work for me because I need to do this to be okay myself or to take care of myself well because that isn't looked upon as being very womanly right we're supposed to be all giving we're the connectors the so I feel like there's something is happening in our time right now where women need to and are learning to draw boundaries. And, you know, we even see it with this whole, the whole sexual harassment thing that is happening where people are talking in a way that just, they weren't before about what's really going on, you know?
0: So for people that are maybe like the whole entire concept of setting a boundary is kind of new or coming into their awareness. Do you have any, tips on like what that can look like or maybe because <laughs> yep. um, I know some of us have we've set boundaries in, in maybe ways that weren't as healthy as we could have
3: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> um, yeah what are what, what, what can you say about that
3: well what I would first start with is that let's just get clear about what a boundary is and about what a boundary isn't mm-hmm. so one really important boundary especially in all of your relationships is to let the people that you care about or that you work with, know what is okay with you and what is not okay with you. So that is a definition of boundaries from Brene Brown, which I love because I feel like it's super simple. Yeah, it's a little bit more complicated than that. But in reality, in so many situations, it isn't. It's actually telling if someone is late and you don't like that, rather than rolling your eyes and talking about them later with someone else, It's saying, hey, can I make a simple request that you be on time when you meet me because it really hurts my feelings or because it makes me feel unimportant or because whatever it is. And in making that simple request, that is you drawing a boundary. Now keep in mind, you can draw a boundary and that doesn't necessarily mean the other person will either meet it or agree to it, you know. But your healing and your self-esteem Really comes from drawing the boundary. It isn't about um, necessarily what the other person does. So it isn't about manipulating other people. I would have you know clients at my therapy practice back in the day say, "Well, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to say anything about it because he's not going to change or she's not going to change." And I would I would always say, "But that's not the point. The point is having the courage and the self-respect and the self-esteem." To stand up and speak up for yourself. And having real flex, having boundaries that are healthy also means sometimes the people in your life will say, No, I don't wanna do that. Or I think you're being too stringent. I was only five minutes late. Why are we having a big conversation about this? I'd like to make a request that five minutes late doesn't count as being late or whatever. And this is when we negotiate what a, the boundary could look like in a healthy relationship. But it's the not saying that that creates all of this resentment. And it's like, we have this expectation that the people in our life will read our minds, but they can't. Mm
0: -hmm. That, um, that phrase that, can I make a simple request? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've heard you say that before. And then I was like, oh my gosh, what a nice, like gentle, but soft way to still be like, hey that's not okay or hey Mm -hmm. I would prefer I just I love that verbiage because I think sometimes you know when you do want to make a change in a relationship or or do want to especially if it's relationships you've had for like so long so there's like Mm -hmm. so much history of you not doing that um, Mm -hmm. having just that simple phrase to use was just it kind of blew my mind so I love that
3: there's something though that you can do. That's great. I, I love it, too. I don't know if I made it up or got it from somewhere else, but I'm always talking about all of <laughs> the great boundary, you know, people who are out there and have been out there doing it for years um, because it's all of that, of course, has informed my work. But there's another thing, and I'm trying to remember which which strategy it's even from. I don't even know, but where you, you – it's a neutral – oh, it's a nonviolent communication where you do a neutral observation, and it's like – I've noticed the past four times that we've met, you were late. Mm. And it's like you're you're noting a fact without a judgment. You know, so it's not, Mm -hmm. I've noticed the last four times we've met, you've been late and that makes you a jerk, right? We're not saying (laughs) that, Mm -hmm. but we are bringing to their consciousness without a charged feeling, without a charged emotion, that what's happening. And then you move into... You can make the simple request. You can talk about what's going to happen. There's, there's one, of the, um, one of the strategies where you don't even tell the person what to do, quote unquote. You just point out. You've, you know, you talked throughout the entire first meeting. And when you do that, it makes me have to repeat myself because nobody heard what I was saying because you were talking at the same time. And I'm bringing it up now because we're going to have a lot of meetings in the next three months with this project. So do you see how clever that is? Mm -hmm. how you're now a, you are making a generous assumption that the other person gives a crap and maybe they do. And perhaps just pointing it out and then saying, you're giving context as to why you're mentioning it. You don't need to say that was effing annoying, right? You don't need to (laughs) what, what you said very succinctly and clearly was it. That was effing annoying without saying that and without even having that energy. And what you then do, this is the, this um, that kind of a strategy lessens resistance, so people don't feel like they have to save face so much. Like you're you're stating the facts without. That's especially helpful in work situations, and I think that in um, personal situations, the I'd like to make a simple request is good as well, because people get less defensive when you make it a simple request. And the truth is, anything you ask someone to do. No matter how complicated that thing is, the request itself is actually simple.
1: I was just actually texting with my sister back and forth, and she's a therapist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she, we, she, we're kind of going through something with her family right now, and she was talking about how do I make space to deal with this when I have to give up so much of my energy to help other people, and you're in a helping You know, Mm -hmm. profession. I am too, in a way, because I teach fitness part time. Like, so how do you, you know, do that? How do you, like, create those boundaries, that state, that safe space for yourself when you're kind of going through that? Yeah,
3: I completely got it. I mean, I can tell you the things that work for me, Mm -hmm. and having rock solid boundaries is one of them. So being really clear, if I'm going through something and I'm also, you know, delivering a massive course or whatever it is that I'm doing. I'm really clear about what can I realistically do. So I call it a proactive boundary success plan mm. where I'm basically looking at the next period of time. So example, I was just, I just delivered this eight week course that was super intensive called the boundary bootcamp. And, you know, I was doing a lot of handling people's questions right then and there and like baking things into the courses I was going. Cause I wanted to obviously bake in what people needed. Um, and so during that time, I didn't do any of my podcasts. So for two months, I didn't send out a newsletter or do my podcast because I was, and I've never done that before, but it was one of those things where I looked at and said, well, how can I do all of this stuff and not have it be at the expense of my health? And the answer was no. And so I was like, it's okay. You just don't do these, do this thing. It's the priority. It's fine. So it's A, figuring out if there's anything that you can take off your plate during a family crisis that, delegate your ass off to anyone you can Mm -hmm. and get as much off your plate as you possibly can don't feel compelled like I did for many decades to be like this superwoman who I can do it all and I'm so strong and I'm you know it's just me and I can handle it but why like at the expense of what you don't need to do that so another thing that I would do daily I do it daily is energy work Mm. in zipping up my energy one of my best friends is a very um like accessible she does you know, energy medicine in a very accessible way. So she's not, you know, it's not out there. Some people know nothing about it and think that it's, you know, someone like on a mountaintop, like smoking weed, but it's really not. So she, you know, her place is on Park Avenue South in Manhattan. And it's very accessible, easy stuff. And a lot of it is free. So your sister or anybody could go to her website, which is called com And I'll give you guys it later if you want it. And just, she's got tons of free stuff out there of learning to zip up your energy Mm-hmm. And after seeing clients, or after being live, I then do certain things that I've learned from Lara, and I've learned from other people, to get to get other people's energy out of my energy field, and all those things are probably that helps the most. That's awesome. So
0: when we talk a kind of about being superwoman, I'm sorry. Also, my dog is just barking. When we talk about being superwoman, and I feel like a lot of women do, you know, they feel this pressure to kind of be, to be perfect, or it's really easy to fall, especially when it comes to our bodies and taking care of our bodies into this all or nothing mindset. Like either I eat time, or I'm like eating fast food.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, And we help so many women kind of like get over that. Um, Mm -hmm. What are some of your tips or making peace with your body and just having a better relationship that isn't just kind of like all imperfect or, or all out?
3: Well, part of it is consistency and really understanding that the extremes, right? Either you're doing nothing or running a marathon, they're not sustainable. That's not a sustainable way of living. And you have to really look at your own all or nothing attitude. And the hardest thing to do is believe and know and live small steps equal massive transformation so it's not exciting it's not not as exciting as doing a marathon right but every day move your ass 30 minutes like that's it just do it just stop talking about it stop coming up with some you, you don't you don't need there isn't anything more complicated even though the things that stop us from doing it I would, I'd like to talk about that because Mm, that is a little bit more complicated. Right. Yeah. So, and trust me, you guys, not a judgment. I did it for years. So I am you, like I completely get it, but I used to think that there was some magic bullet and there was some magic pill and there was something that if I got that workout thing at home, that everything was going to change, you know? And the truth is when did everything change? Oh, guess what? When I changed it. So question, and this is one that you guys can ask yourselves and you guys listening, you women listening can ask yourselves for really anything which is understanding what's called secondary gain. So what is secondary gain? Secondary gain is different than primary gain, right? So primary gain is you go to the gym three times a week and your primary gain is feeling great and feeling and being fit, right? So that would be the primary gain. The obvious gain is the primary gain. Secondary gain is the unobvious gain, from doing something that looks like you would want to stop doing it. So let's just say the having a consistent workout plan. What is the secondary gain, the unobvious gain? And another way of asking it is, what do you get to not experience, not feel, not say, not do by staying stuck in this way? So I'll give an example because I think that might make it more clear. Mm-hmm. I had a client who was actually very overweight and was really miserable about it. And she was, you know, in her late thirties and now her knees were killing her. She'd had one knee replacement. She was about 95 pounds overweight. And she really had tried. And she's also a very smart and successful woman, which is like a double feat when you're obese, you know, Mm -hmm. there, there is so much bias against overweight women and men, but, but really women, it's brutal. Um, and so, She was like, I don't understand. I don't understand. Anyway, so we started unpacking it, and I started talking about secondary gain. And she said, at first, she was like, there's no benefit. Why are you saying it like that? I was like, listen, I'm not judging you. I I swear, I'm not. But there is something. You are getting something out of staying unconsciously in this situation. And then all this stuff got revealed through our work together, that she had been assaulted and the weight gain happened after she was assaulted when she was, like, 13. Mm. And how as soon as we went into that basement, right, the unconscious stuff, mm-hmm. she was like, oh, my gosh, I know what it is. The, the secondary gain was me keeping myself safe from being sexually assaulted again.
0: Right.
3: So I made myself – I felt like there was two things. I was physically – I had all of this space between me and other people with actually body – mass right Mm -hmm. and I made myself unappealing so I wouldn't feel like a target and where I was like holy crap now once you understand the unconscious secondary gain you're able to bring it to your conscious mind because obviously her weight wasn't wasn't keeping her safe her weight was making her health terrible was making her feel bad about herself like it was just all these negative things and it wasn't about being she wanted to be a size zero she just didn't want to end up in a wheelchair because she was at that point she couldn't even walk you know mm-hmm. and within the next I would say it was 15 months she gained she lost about 85 pounds mm-hmm. and then I heard from her a year ago and she was getting she was engaged to be married which is what she'd wanted to do so I don't I'm not making an association between weight and worthiness right so let's get clear about what I am making an association this was a person who was completely unwell because of the level of her weight. Because, you know, I'm not a big proponent of the size zero, like, got to be that or it doesn't work out, right. club. but it was about what she wanted, which is like she felt like she was sabotaging herself and couldn't understand why. And it was like every time she would start to lose weight, the little kid in her, the 13-year-old in her, would feel super threatened yeah. and then would find a way to not have it happen or not keep it up or not continue swimming or whatever it was.
1: So... It- I think this is going to touch right on that, but what you talked about in that Facebook live chat was about core wound reaction. And I think it's, Mm -hmm. that's part of that there. So can you talk a little bit about what a core wound reaction is and how it can mess with our current happiness?
3: Sure. So core wounds, when you think about what they are, I mean, you know, people like you, you know, yourself. Mm -hmm. So what, what is your, what is your thing? What is the repeating reality? What is the, the thing you can't seem to figure out. Most of us know it could be a mother wound. If if someone had a narcissistic mother growing up, um, it could be a father wound. But when we when we talk about that, there's other ways of describing it. A core wound could be fear of abandonment. Right? Core wound could be unworthiness, feeling unworthy. And why they're called core wounds is because they seem to be at the base or the bottom of all of the issues that we experience in our lives if you go back far enough and you connect the dots backwards it seems like you can find the original injury somewhere around that experience so does that make sense Mm -hmm. yeah it makes a lot of sense so
0: if someone does kind of want to do maybe they can identify one of these 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 core wounds and they're like, okay, like, well, let's go back to the the example of the woman who, um, who lost the weight, um, and kind of realized why she was holding on to the weight. And we, we actually, we do a lot of work on FPG about trying to figure out like, what's your why? Like, what do you really want? Why do you really want to lose the weight? And kind of drilling down. Um, mm-hmm. but this, this, this is like, <laughs> you're giving it like words, you know, <laughs> just Like, you just like find your why, like <laughs> these nice words, like this is great. Um, okay. So. Once someone is like, okay, that's that's what it is. Do you find that that is normally enough? That awareness is enough to get someone to make changes, or like, what else usually needs to go in behind the scenes? Is it and kind of like what do you recommend? Is it working with you know someone like yourself? Is it journaling or affirmation work or like,
3: I mean, everyone is different, you know. So so part of it is the reason why we are looking for original injuries and a really easy thing that I teach people to do to sort of find it you know I'm always trying to come up with very actionable simple accessible ways to do like deep stuff (laughs) because you know not everyone has time or the money or a desire to you know get into massive amounts of therapy and I actually you know I think I'm in a minority but I really think that people are smart and as long as you are responsible with what you teach, for me as a psychotherapist and a coach, I feel like people get it. Like, make it accessible. Everyone has a brain. It, it, you know, it doesn't only have to be through therapy unless it's really trauma work and that type of thing. So anyway, one thing, and then I'll get back to what you were asking, But because this is something that can help people get to the original stuff because it's a little bit more complicated than that. Most people have no idea what their original injuries are. They may know that, you know, it all goes back to family of origin, or a lot of it goes back to family of origin. But getting specific, and how you can um, decide which injuries, which, when you, where are you having this core injury reaction type thing, which injuries are playing out in your life now, I call them repeating realities, is you look at something, whatever it is that has eluded you, whatever it is you can't seem to figure out, or whatever it is that you can't seem to fix. You're in a relationship, it seems great, everything is awesome, and then before you know it, this person is screaming at you, or, or it gets violent. You're like, wow, how could that be? He seems so nice. And then you find yourself in that situation again and again, and it may not even be violence, but you understand what I'm saying. You might have be in a situation, in a romantic relationship with someone who can't commit, And then the next person, it's basically the same person because in those cases, there's a lot of times that we're what Freud would call repetition compulsion means that we have some traumatic or dramatic experience that we are unconsciously compelled to repeat because we would like a different outcome, right? So we're compelled to repeat it. That's actually not, that isn't the because, but there is, I believe that the little kid in each one of us is like, oh, hey, this time it's totally going to be different. Like, this is a do-over. Awesome. I'm going to make it different. Why it won't be different, how it can be different, is if you have new skills, new awareness. Then it can be a do-over. The problem is that so much of the time, all this is happening unconsciously. So you're basically with the same unavailable guy, basically trying to, let's say you had an unavailable father, or you have had father abandonment issues. So you're with the same unavailable guy, Being like, this time it's totally going to be different because I will be enough, I'll be perfect enough, I'll be this way, I'll be that way, which is the child in you talking. But without having new skills, you don't have the skills to make it be different. You see what I mean? Right. So how do you find those repeating realities? When you're in a situation, let's just say it's a relationship thing, you say, and maybe you didn't know that you had an abandoning father or you hadn't thought about it much. You'd ask the question. The three questions are, who does this person remind me of? Second question is, where have I felt like this before? And the third question is, why is this dynamic, right? This behavioral dynamic, the way we are interacting, why is that familiar to me? Those questions, and if that doesn't provoke the answer, there's one other way to ask it, which is, when I'm interacting with my boyfriend or my boss or whomever it is, this way, this like unsatisfying or unhealthy way, who am I being and who are they being? Mm-hmm. So the answer could be I'm being my mother and they're being my young self. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You know, it could be I'm being my father or I'm being little me and that my boss is being my father. So I can't show my boss who I am because I'm afraid to talk in front of him because my father, my own father was cold, critical, mean, or whatever it is. Yeah. So when you don't understand that that's happening, you actually believe the story you tell about your boss. Well, my boss is just an asshole. That's all. My boss is just a jerk. Mm-hmm. He's just cold and mean and judgmental, not knowing that A, you don't even know your boss. So it's a projection, Right. It's a, you're projecting those qualities onto your boss because the little, you, he reminded you of your dad in some other way. So when you get to ask that first question, like, wow, who does this person remind me of? You could immediately be like, Oh my God, this reminds me of that third grade teacher who was totally mean to me. This is why I, I always hated this lady. And so once you have the, the question is once, you know, like, okay, so I've been attracting unavailable people because my father abandoned me and was unavailable and la la la. Now, how do we change the thing that we don't want to happen in our life? You use this awareness because the, the back to wow, that was like the longest way around the barn as my mother you get back to the <laughs> damn question. <laughs> which was how do we is the awareness alone enough to change the repetition? to change the pattern and the answer is it's very unique to each person and that sometimes it is enough more usually more often the awareness what it creates is space to make a mindful and conscious choice about that thing that isn't working because if you get that my boss is not my father and I am not seven Like if I can, if you can really get that in your mind, like, wow, that's so interesting. I was responding to my boss like I was seven and he was dead, but he's not and I'm not. So now my fear of letting my boss see me, I'm going to muscle through that because I realize why it felt so intense. And I also realize it wasn't true. It wasn't based. So it's an experience in the present that gets charged from unresolved crap from the past.
0: And then we'd be like such a load off. You're all of a sudden, you're just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> no wonder I different. felt ridiculous. Like, yes. okay, deep breath, you know? Yeah.
3: Yes. yes. And deep breath and let my boss see how smart I am so that I can excel. Yeah. Like, let's not let this unresolved crap be the stuff that is negatively impacting your now. And it does. And without this awareness... You know, it's like, how do you change it if you're not aware? Because you believe what you think you're experiencing. Does that make sense? I don't want to make it more complicated than it is. You know, I really don't. No, it makes sense. Okay, cool.
1: So were you talking about the the three cues? Were those the three questions you just asked? Is that what you're talking about when you talk about the three cues to deal with your underlying stuff?
3: So who who does this person remind me of? Mm Mm-hmm. Where have I felt like this before? And why is this dynamic, right? The way we're interacting, why is that familiar to me? And when you ask that third question, it doesn't mean that you had to have been in that dynamic. Get it? You Mm -hmm. could have witnessed that dynamic. It could have been your parents. And now you're repeating it or someone else, an older brother and whatever. Like you could have witnessed it and not experienced it.
1: Awesome. So, you know, because when I wrote this question down, I wrote cues like like stage cues, and you mean the letter Q? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. So no. Yes. So I'm just clearing this up for myself. So I still have a question for you. So, but thank you for clearing that up. So, what are the costs to self for being so self-sacrificing and over generous with your time, with your money, with ev- everything? Like, what are the costs well, to self? Oh God, there's so many. How much time do we have? I know. <laughs>
3: but, but, What's the I mean, biggest
0: one? What's the, the big- biggest one that can like? be motivating to stop people from from doing it well
3: it's really never being authentically known Mm. and so how can anyone authentically love you if you don't allow them to authentically know you
1: that's deep (laughs) yeah i was like i'm just gonna sit here and get i know (laughs) <laughs> you, you know, to, to quote the brilliant RuPaul, you know, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to, you know, or you can't learn to love yourself, how the hell is anybody going to learn to love you? And that's very true. I mean, that's, if you never get to actually be who you are, right. how does but anyone to know other, you? But think about the other thing,
3: you know, that, that actually are, that you, at, that the, it is at the expense of, so being authentically known, being authentically loved, yes. But then here's another reason. How do either one of you know people who are, like, older and, like, super martyrs in their life? Oh, yeah. Anybody? Anybody? Anybody listening? <laughs> Have you ever been in a relationship with a martyr? It's so depressing. And if you're on that overgiving train, that I call it high-functioning codependency, um, because that's what it is, basically. And the reason I came up with a different phrase for codependency is because my demographic— are like baller women who are getting shit done. They're changing the world, right? So they're not identifying with codependent. Ew. Like, yeah. I'm not, I do everything. What do you mean? I get it done. I am the decider. That That's not me. I'm like, no, no, but it is you. But you're high-functioning codependent, meaning you are getting it all done and then some at the expense of self, without a doubt. So... Where does that, if you're on that train right now, that overfunctioning, overgiving train, where do you think that goes? That train? It only goes to one place. That's bitter land. That's it. That's, that's the mm-hmm. stop on this train is bitter land, and that's what you will end up being. Because you can only contain it for so long. You can only do it for so long. It is sucking away your life force energy, your chi, your prana, and not to mention the illusion that you're so giving this was my this was my bullshit when I was in my 20s like but I'm just you know it's just the way I am I'm just like so giving like that no no it's <laughs> just the way I wanted to see myself and what it really is is trying to control things it sounds so much better that if I was doing it because I'm really like Mother Teresa you know what I mean but mm-hmm. that wasn't why I was doing it and over giving and trying to, you know, take care of one sister who was like losing her mind and paying for everything at lawyers and, you know, trying to get her away from an abusive boyfriend. Like that was all for me because her chaotic life was so effing stressful to me that I was like, why can't she, j- let me just tell you what to do and do it. I'll pay for it all. Why can't you do it? You know what I mean? So is that me being loving and caring? No, I had a therapist who basically was like, oh, P.S. Terry, guess what? You're not doing this because you're so great and loving. You're doing it so that you, your sister, is screwing the piece that you've spent 20 years building inside. So what you really want is for your discomfort and anxiety about the way she's living her life to end. But here's the question. What, who died and made you God? What mm-hmm. makes you think that you know what lessons your sister needs to learn in this lifetime? hmm I was like, well, I think we can agree that the lesson doesn't have to involve an abusive crackhead, you know, or whatever. And she was like, no, we can't agree. See, because I'm not God either. And I don't know what lessons your sister needs to learn on her journey. She needs to be like, you're not the boss of her. Well, and that really changed my mind about a lot of things when I I had to see what I was really doing for what it was, not for like what I wanted it to be, that I was so like, great. (laughs) Oh,
0: yeah. Because then, yeah. Yep. Yep.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, here's a million dollar question. Sure. Um, How the hell do we teach this to our kids? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, if we are spending all this time, like, going back through past hurts, and obviously you can't, like, you know, not get hurt. It's life. Things happen. Um, You can learn from them. But, like, like, do you have any tips for this translating to parenting?
3: I sure do. First First of all what i can say is there are i teach all of this in my courses and i will say that i have my real love revolution course that starts in april 2018 so you have plenty of time but that is a 10-week course it's actually 11 weeks 10 modules where it's all about there's five five pillars of real love and it's all about self-love self-compassion self-esteem and how that When you really figure out your relationship to yourself, that is the path to real love anywhere else, including mother love. Because you can love a kid, but if you're not right with yourself, you are still going to do the wrong things. You are still going to become your parents despite your best effort and do the crap that you said you wouldn't do. So let's talk about, back to your question, that was just a shameless pitch for my course um, because it's awesome honestly I think it's I mean of course I mean I'm not I, I'm just telling the truth like it's so good and nobody is doing it because it's yeah. so much freaking work to hold space like that but the the transformation that people have had and also listen I have a free Facebook group with 10,000 women And it just I do so much free crap you don't have to buy anything from me and you could change your entire life so if you're offended, anyone out there listening that I pitched my course, feel free. I have 350 free videos on YouTube. Go do it. Um, <laughs> Pitch away. So let's talk about the, the child thing, though, because th- this, the whole thing about parenting is that if you don't figure out the stuff with your own parents, you'll do one of two things. You'll either repeat it unconsciously. So you'll just do it, even though you said you hated it. You did not want to do it. You're going to do it. You didn't like that your mother was a yeller before you know it. You don't know what happens. You get to that point, that tipping point, and you're screaming at your kids. Like, that's what's going to happen, unless you unpack this other crap and understand these original injuries, the repeating realities, the repeating boundary realities, all this stuff that I talk about, you have to unpack that. You could do it in therapy. You can do it simply by not wanting to repeat what your parents did that you felt like was wrong but there's a there is a way to treat children with respect with honesty and be the parent because this whole thing I I have a really not good feeling about this recent development in the past 15 years of parents wanting to be friends with their kids Mm. like just don't just have friends just be normal just have adult friends do not smoke weed with your kids ever. I don't give a shit how old you get. Like, that's just not my thing. Like always parents, you parents. And you have a different relationship with your adult children. Of course you do. Mm-hmm. But why, why? you got to be cool? You don't. Don't you have friends of your own? Do not talk to your adult children about your sex life ever, parents, because that's weird. Don't do Boundary. it. <laughs> Boundaries. Boundaries.
1: <laughs> yes.
3: Don't let your parents, if you're, if you're a younger person, don't let your parents talk to you about them or anything like that. No, stop it with the triangulation, say no. And if you are a parent, a grown up parent and you have grown children, don't shit talk your your ex who happens to be the father of those kids. Like there's so much unhealthy boundary crossing that goes on and people don't even see it for what it is. Like, well, why? I mean, we are friends. No, you're not actually, you're actually the parent. So learning that and being willing to be uncool when you're raising teenagers. They need to separate and individuate from you. Let them. Why 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 are you taking it personally that they're being mouthy? Right. Have you ever read a book? Do you not know that this is this is a rite of passage? Mm-hmm. And you it is not personal. Now I'm not saying take shit from them. Never, never am I saying that. But I am saying don't flip out. And, and act like it, it's not normal what they're doing because it is. So you have to set parameters with teenagers, right? So there has to be rules, even though that means more work for you. But you got to do it. Set the rules a little closer than you actually expect the kid to do because they're going to step out of them because that is where they are developmentally. So as long as you have rules, the kid doesn't need to like throw himself off a cliff to get your attention, right? Have rules so they can break their curfew because that's normal yep wow I'm so heated look at that can you tell I raised teenagers (laughs) (laughs) I have have a two
0: and a half year old right now so
3: Mm, you have plenty of time
0: but they're kind of little like trigger magnets sometimes you know like they like I found parenting to be a a really good um, spiritual journey in some ways because it's just like oh mommy needs to work on some patience like okay be real be authentic be loving be kind be patient you know but yeah it brings up a lot of stuff
3: Yes. And yeah. the thing is understanding. Here's the thing with kids, which I didn't know because I married a widower. And so I, I inherited my children. I have three sons mm. and um, they're all married. And I have six grandkids now at this point in life. So, I mean, it, it all worked out great. No stretch marks. Like I just found my family. It was ready made. It was just way to go. But they were, you know, rough teenagers at that point. Wait, did I have a point? What, what were we just talking about? Oh, yeah. What <laughs> I wanted to say, God, this is what happens when you're not 25, is that when you have a child Everything that you did and didn't resolve throughout your own life, like things that you completely forgot, didn't even know what happened, at every phase of that kid's development, you will remember and be like, are you kidding me? I was 15, looked like I was 24, and I had no curfew. I was hanging out till 3 in the morning on a Tuesday night while I was a sophomore in high school. Was my mother on drugs or just didn't care? Like, what the hell was the deal? Like, that feeling which at the time I was like whatever it's fine and luckily for me nothing happened but I remember revisiting every bad mistake my parents ever made and being like how did I even live they're such assholes you know so (laughs) literally back through being so pissed off at my parents for all the quote-unquote wrong things that they did but then you have the healing experience of doing it differently with your own kids and that is such a gorgeous opportunity but you need to know yourself well enough to be able to do it differently. Yeah. So, and I, you guys, I have so much stuff out there that is completely and totally free. So like content, like crazy amounts of content. So anything you, 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 the people listening are interested in, I've written, you know, I do, I have videos about raising teenagers and about kids and about getting married and about sex and about narcissists and about, highly sensitive people and about being an empath. So anything that you could be interested in, I promise you, I probably have a 20 minute YouTube video on it. That is free. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Go to my YouTube channel, you know,
1: we'll be sure to include that in the show notes, by the way, we'll include all of your information. And really? what, what can you tell us about your podcast?
3: Um, it's fun. It's interesting. It's changing. It's been changing over the, over the last two years that I've had it, where I used to do a lot more interviews and then I just had people writing in and being like, I would rather just you talk about therapy stuff and stuff, you <laughs> know, and strategies and la, la, la. And so then I started doing a lot more, um, kind of, it, I just call them Terry talks. <laughs> Cause she does, as my husband would say, um, <laughs> and it's all content. My, my, what I'm most lit up about you guys, and I, I think that's probably why we're very much aligned with what we're doing, you know, female empowerment and, Evolution, illumination, that is what I'm, you know, that's definitely my dharma, like what I'm meant to do is help, you know, women in particular be the most awesome that they can be, to feel the happiest, the most fulfilled, to love themselves, like you're all so beautiful, I don't want, I don't want you to wait until you're 80 to be like, wow, I wasted my (laughs) whole life, hating on my thighs, how dumb was that, what a waste of time, okay, Like there's a way to love and accept, as you guys talk about so much with the the work that you do yourself right now, this moment to focus on what's right about you in every moment to focus on your strengths. And if your weaknesses are something that you can change, maybe you're not a good listener. Oh, okay. That can be a weakness. And you can learn to be an athletic listener. You can change it. But when you start to look at what you consider your deficits, quote unquote, and you make them be physical, the way that you look, the way that you have a gut, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you're wasting yeah. your time. And if it were just that, I wouldn't even care. But you're doing something worse. You're lowering your vibration in the world. And it's like, just no. So anyway, I love what you guys are doing because we're, we're so on the same path of being excited about who you are mm-hmm. your own unique and special gifts and talents fucking parent and despair like that's not what we need yep. you know we just don't need that and there's a lot of it out there but I really do believe that we have hit a tipping point so let's all just get committed mm-hmm. yeah. to rocking that self-love you know
0: totally I mean that's what um we kind of have some stuff that says you know you were not put on this planet to worry about your weight. I, I guarantee you're here to do something else. So let's take care of your health so that you can go do what you were supposed to do. Because
3: exactly.
0: we're kind of need you right now. Yeah. Um, I think we'll let Margot ask the last question, which is always a fun one that we do with everybody, but I have a really quick also kind of fun question Sure. because your voice, like, I feel like no wonder people just want to hear you talk like as just the podcast because your voice is just, is just gorgeous. It's just beautiful. Do you, do, do you, is this just, do you practice this at all? Or is this just like part of like, I feel
3: like it's, it has to be part of like your therapy. It's just so like, ah, huh. you know, <laughs> it's funny. I actually have a, a, lot of, um, guided meditations and CDs out yeah. because my clients were endlessly putting on their their little iPhone recorder thing and being like, because I would do spontaneous meditations, of course, and they were like, "But can I just do I just wanna, I just want to record the entire session. I'm like, okay, I guess. are you gonna listen to your therapy session again? Fine. But then that got me thinking like, you know, I'm a big proponent of meditation. I'm a meditation teacher. It changed my life, blah, blah blah. And so it, it's interesting that I didn't never thought that that much about my voice. Until I started doing, having a much more public platform about 10 years ago. And I can't tell you how many people say that. It's such a lovely compliment. But honestly, no. (laughs) There's no, you know, this is just the way it was. Imagine having this voice when you're four. (laughs) So think about that for a minute. My mother used to call me. Froggy the Gremlin like I had this I was this little teeny kid with this really deep voice oh. <laughs> and I and I loved it I never felt like bad about it but it's, it's funny I do feel like I grew into my voice
1: <laughs> it's sort of Kathleen it's,
3: Turner yes it is there's there's a lot of women who have this this
1: um, you know seductive. have a
3: deeper voice it, it is seductive I guess but I'm I'm mostly never saying seductive things with it <laughs>
0: <laughs> you don't have to
3: <laughs> I'm talking about your childhood,
0: like yeah.
1: or something. <laughs> like great, is- super relaxing. <laughs> so I'm so, going to ask you the last question. But- uh, so Terry, are you ready? I am. Okay, Terry Cole, what was the last song you listened to before you did this podcast interview? Okay, it
3: was a Christina Aguilera song. Ooh. <laughs> that is an old school one. Let me just think of it. It's it's got um. Hold on. I'm I'm visualizing it right now. It's all about oh women about you can't keep us down. It's that song. Do you know the one I'm talking about? I think I do. Uh, this, hold
0: on. uh, the one where she's I'm like looking at it right now. The, Yes. The video?
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's I still I'm still really old school, you know. Makes
0: you, was
3: like Hold on. I'm pulling it up right now. We're doing okay. it. what's it called? <laughs> My god, yes can't hold us down. I That's know that I song. It's
1: to. a great song. Awesome. Great. This is for my girls
3: all around the world. Yep. You come across a man that respect your worth. Isn't that funny that you asked that question? And I don't even realize how much of the music I listen to all the time is just, like, super empowering.
1: It's the energy, man. It's the energy, right? It sure is.
3: Fun! Well,
1: super fun. Really fun thank one. you guys so
3: much. Well,
1: thank, thank you. you. Thank you for being I on the show. To- You're a great guest. I mean, this was wonderful. Yeah. I
0: took so many notes. No. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: right on, sister.
3: Join my community, you guys. Uh, we will. Yes. Yes. I do monthly I think I think free live of- streams and you know, okay.
0: Yeah. I think I'm on your Facebook group, but I'll, I'll need to double check and um, subscribe to your podcast too. Cause same here. Yeah.
3: Good Maybe stuff. All right. Let's say to be continued. Absolutely. Okay.
1: Thank Thanks, you so ladies. much. Thank you so much. you a great guest. And if books and movies are your thing, check out the other podcast I co-host called Book vs. Movie, which you can find anywhere where you search for podcasts. Thanks for listening.